May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Sorry, I keep getting froggy. I thought that the column had all washed away in that storm that yesterday, but apparently there's enough left to make the wind as well. So, what a wonderful gospel story. It almost preaches itself, doesn't it? It's, it's just so rich, so much to think about. And of course, there's that line, the, one of the lines that I just love in this gospel, they're not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us. John Wesley, famous Methodist, says, we're not our hearts burning. On fire. And so how do we find this fire? It's a wonderful story. And I really love it. And sometimes I think it's because I like to walk and think. Uh, but then I have to think, well, there's some fire has to be here somewhere. <laughs> so sometimes if we just walk, don't we? We're not actually thinking. We're taking in everything that's around us. The trees, the birds, the people, the clouds. It's just kind of a time to let ourselves let go of the stress. And let something else enter into our lives. And so identifying with the disciples walking along the road for Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Emmaus, is easy for us in some ways. We know that when we talk with our friends about things that have been disturbing us, we feel better. Nobody's come up with a solution. I mean, they didn't uncrucify Jesus because everybody was worried about it. But they were able to talk it through, to begin to try and make sense of things. That's what enjoying each other's company is about, and wrestling with all the things in our lives, just as they wrestled with the events that occurred in Jerusalem. The death of the one they hoped was sent by God to be the Messiah, the one to deliver Israel from bondage. How could they make sense of this? I think if we are deeply honest with ourselves, we are like, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and we are continually wrestling with and trying to comprehend the mystery of the crucified and risen one. Our sole work today is to be open to deepening our understanding and enlivening our faith, finding that fire again. Frederick Buechner, priest and theologian, wrote about the Emmaus experience like this. He said, I believe that whether we recognize him or not, or believe in him or not, or even know his name, again and again he comes and walks a little way with us along whatever road we're following. And I believe that through something that happens to us, or something we see or somebody we know who can ever guess how or when or where. Jesus offers us the way he did at Emmaus, 
the bread of life. He offers us new hope, a vision, a new vision of light that not even the dark world can overcome. We seek this this morning, that light that the dark world cannot overcome. So as life explodes around us in the spring of the year, we're given the opportunity to observe once again the coming to life so evident in and through nature. It is easy to pass this by in our busyness and haste. It is too easy to encounter one another and move on without allowing ourselves to share deeply and to encounter Christ in our midst. The letter of Peter reminds us to love one another deeply. Love one another deeply. I really find this a community where we do strive to do that. We do strive to love one another deeply. And I'm very generous in including the we here. <laughs> it's not just a royal we. And our loving emerges from listening, really listening to one another and to all that is around us in creation. We're often surprised, inspired, our hearts may even burn within us when we take this kind of walk. The walk we are sort of metaphorically always on. And we better end the, the real walks that we take. So there's a, a both hand there, isn't there? There's a kind of spiritual walk and there's a real walk. I mean, just walk around the garden out here. That's a wonderful place. And who knows when, as Baker says, that grace of God, that light, that burning within you will be found again. And you will once again be lifted just a little bit. And walking can be a very holy thing. Uh, it's interesting to me that Thoreau did a whole essay on walking. And he begins by reminding us of the root of the word for saunter. Santerre, holy earth, holy water. And so Santerre means to take a holy time on the earth. Just, we're not used to just doing that. We have, almost have to give ourselves permission. I'm married to a wonderful man, as you know, for almost 50 years, poor soul. But, um, <laughs> He loves to walk, but I confess and he knows that it drives me nuts that he has to get that 10,000 steps or whatever it is he's trying to get. And that is not to me a holy walk, right? For me, it's a little bit of a rush, a stress. So I said, well, you go ahead and walk. I'll just take my time here and mosey along. It's interesting. The contrast, but the temptation really, I mean, you know, I was given one of these dreadful Apple watches, <laughs> and it tells me how many steps I've taken, right? So my temptation is, oh gosh, I don't have enough steps. But as I was reflecting on your minutes, I said, oh, it's okay. So I want to give you permission this morning. It's okay for us to take our time to allow 
conversation and to allow whatever is around us to come into our consciousness. If those disciples on the road to Emmaus, now that, they, the scripture even tells us it was seven miles, okay? Now if they were making a 20 minute mile, right? Or a 15 minute mile, I don't think that stranger would have been so excited about walking with them. <laughs> but they were obviously walking along and talking to one another, trying to understand life's events. And God was in their midst. Another scripture says, where two or three are gathered together, there I am in their midst. An example of this, this is kind of funny. Early in my ministry, I came to know what I call one of Alexandria's very special characters named Jimmy. And for those of us who welcome Jimmy into our offices and churches, we quickly learned that he was water -phobic. Now Jimmy was sort of quasi-homeless, I'll explain, but he was definitely water -phobic. His family tried to move him off the streets, but he'd been so emotionally wounded by some of his life experiences that he preferred to simply sleep in the doorway of the family member's home. He refused to shower. Hence, Jimmy came with a certain, shall we say, aroma. <laughs> that was very powerful. One day, Jimmy came to see me, and you know, I'd seen him on the street a lot, and I was wondering if we couldn't, I talked to him about, did he get any benefits, disability, whatever. He wasn't sure. So I said, well, let's go down to the social service office and try to register you for whatever benefits you have or clarify what, what you were able to have and for your family to help you. So he agreed, and I thought, in, oh, oh my, how are we going to get to the social security, to the social service office? If I put Jimmy in my car, I may not make it to the social security. <laughs> and it wasn't that far. So I said, well, Jimmy, let's take a walk. Let's walk to the social security office, which we did. And we're walking down, if you know, Alexandria, Mount Vernon Avenue. Well, Delray's very shishi now, but 30, 40 years ago was not. So we're walking down Mount Vernon Avenue, and I'm trying to engage in a conversation. There was an odd feeling, but somehow this walk and our conversation started to become a very spiritual experience. I can't quite explain it to this day. Then when we met with the social worker and we started to fill out paperwork, Jenny was asked his date of birth. And this is where I got sort of a God's act, as one of my friends used to call it. Jenny's birthday was February 23rd, the same day as my father's. There's a whole new personal connection about learning when his birthday was. A bond. Something awakened in me about our common humanity. He was no longer just smelly old Jimmy. But even a more beloved child of God. And it only happened because we walked together and we sat down 